Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember, together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L.J. LaFura, and this is a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't, and we have a very, very packed show today after rain pretty much stifled every single series up the eastern coast of the United States yesterday. We have quite a few double headers, resumed games after the Marlins series down on the tip of Florida, so that doesn't really count, and the Red Sox series with a three-hour rain delay were the only ones who were able to finish up yesterday. But let's start off with what is most certainly the story of the day, and that is the Cubs and the Pirates. Scoring started off in the top of the first when Chris Bryant put his 11th homer over the center field wall, making this one nothing Chicago. Then things got crazy when it came to the top of the third with possibly the most boneheaded play I have ever seen in my life. So you've got Javier Baez, basically should have grounded out to the third baseman, throw it over to first base. No problem. Two outs, run around second. Should not have been an issue. Instead, when the third uh, third baseman, Eric Gonzalez, throws this ball over to Will Craig at first base, rather than taking the two steps back to first base and getting the force there, he decides to go for the tag, except rather than stopping, Javier Baez decides to run backwards towards home plate, trying to create some form of rundown. And Will, uh, Will Craig just had no clue what to do with that. He's pump faking his way down the line. He's half half jogging towards him, not really sure what to do. If he had just flat out ran for him, there's only so much room he has. But because of the time this takes, Wilson Contreras is able to make it from second and all the way home to score off of a late throw, of course, by Will Craig to the catcher. And then from there, there was no one to cover first. Javier Baez sprints back up the line. It gets to first. The ball goes rolling by the by first base. He gets to second. So this man 
who should have been out at first by a mile, inning over, ends up on second base with a run scored in this inning on the most egregious fielding play I've ever seen. Ian Happ drives in Javi Baez in that inning to make it 3 nothing. The Cubs would add two more runs in this game, and they would win this one 5-3. to three. Give the win to Kyle Hendricks. He went seven innings, allowing three earned runs and five strikeouts. The loss to Tyler Anderson. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs. And the save will be given to Ryan Tepera, his first of the year. Next, the Pirates and Mitch Keller will face the Rockies and John Gray. Next up, we got the Rockies and the Mets, who played two games today after having their series pretty easily and quickly rained out like everything had to be yesterday in New York. But this game came down to one swing, one at bat. It was an 0-0 count against Herman Marquez and Jose Peraza. He goes yards to left center field for his second home run on the year. The Mets win this one, one to nothing. Give the win to Marcus Stroman, who went six innings, allowing zero earned runs. And the loss will be given to Herman Marquez, who went six innings, allowing one earned run and six strikeouts. The save will be given to Edwin Diaz, his ninth. Then over in the second game, things got a little more interesting. Bottom of the first, and Billy McKinney drives in one run on a double play, which gives them the lead until the top of the fourth when Colorado ties this up with a Connor Joe single. From there, the Mets go on a big run in the middle of the game. Jose Peraza drives in a run, two runs, including a on a single and a walk. I'm sorry. And then Brandon Drury walks in another run in a sixth inning that did not go Colorado's way. Rymel Tapia drives in one more in the top of the seventh, and this will go again to the Mets rather than the Rockies with a final score of 4-2 New York. Give the win to Aaron Loop. The loss will go to Antonio Senzatella. He went four innings, allowing two earned runs, and the save goes to Jacob Barnes. The Mets will move on to the Braves and podcast favorite Ian Anderson on the mound for them. The next game of our stretch of doubleheaders here we have is Cincinnati and Washington. This is a game that started yesterday. They got through, I believe it was four innings before they had to delay the rest of this game. And to as a reminder of where things started, you have a 3-0 lead, all scored through the bottom of the third by Washington. No score would be got would come in this game until the bottom of the sixth when Trey Turner brings in a run, Josh Bell brings in a run, making this a 5-0 game, ball game. Top of the eighth, the Reds tried to take their little run at, at Washington to see if they could bring this game back. They would fall short despite RBIs by Nick Castellanos, Tucker Barnhart, and Kyle Farmer. The Nationals win this game 5-3. to three. Give the win to Austin Voth, the loss to Jeff Hoffman, and the save to Brad Hand. 
this next game would prove to be just as competitive as the late innings of the last one. As top of the first, Eugenio Suarez sends his 11th home run out of the park, 1-0 Cincinnati. Top of the fifth, Jesse Winker and Tyler Naquin drive in runs, getting us to our final score of 3-0 Reds. Give the win to Sonny Gray, another fantastic performance since coming over to Cincinnati for him. He went six innings of shutout ball with five strikeouts. The loss will be given to Steven Strasburg. He went five innings, allowing three earned runs and five strikeouts. And Lucas Sims gets his save here today. Next, the Reds will face the Cubs and the Nats will take on the Brewers. And then we had one final doubleheader series today, and that was between the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Yankees. And this first one, a big one for a couple of guys, including one of the Blue Jays' top prospects, Alex Alec Manoa, making his major league debut. In the top of the third, Marcus Simeon homered his 13th on the year, and then Bo Bichette sent his 10th of the year out to left field to make this a 2-0 Toronto ball game. That's the only score of the day. The final here, Toronto beats the Yankees 2-0. Give the, this win in a twist of events here. It was the Minoa that went fishing. It was not the Yankees fishing for the Minoa. It was the Minoa fishing for Yankees. Alec Manoa gets the win here. He went six innings of zero earned run ball, seven strikeouts. The loss will go to Domingo Herman. He went five and two thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts. The save goes to Jordan Romano, his second on the year. Jump on over into game two of this Toronto, New York series. Jew Urshela starts this game with an RBI in the bottom of the first. That gets them a very brief lead until the top of the third. Bobachette sends a home run out again, and he drives in three on that shot, making it 3-1 Toronto. From there, it was all New York. Aaron Judge sends number 13 out. Gary Sanchez adds a home run, and then Aaron Judge drives in one more run just for good measure to make the final score here 5-3 to three New York. Give the win to Johnny Lewisica. The loss will go to Robbie Ray. He went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing four earned runs and five strikeouts. I believe that was a bullpen game by New York. Lewisica came in. Yes, Lewisica came in. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jordan Montgomery got the start here. He went four and two-thirds of an inning, allowing three earned runs. And then Lewisica came in to pitch and get him out of the fifth inning. Loisica is now four and two on the season. Next up, we've got the Phillies and the Marlins. This is a series, of course, we've been talking about quite a bit overall, just because if the Phillies in particular, who are the team with more playoff expectations out of the two of these teams, if they're going to be successful, they need to win the games that they need that they have to and the games that they should win they should be beating 
this very inexperienced Miami team. And they did a good job of that today. Top of the fourth, Race Hoskins sends his 11th home run of the year out of the park. And then Matt Joyce drives in a run on a sack fly to make this 2-0 Philly. Jesus Aguilar drives in one in the fifth. Garrett Cooper one in the sixth to tie this game up. But then in the top of the ninth, you get a fielder's choice RBI by Ronald Torres that scores a duple Herrera, and that wins this game for the Phillies 3-2. to two. Give the win to Jose Alvarado. Starter and prospect Sam Howard went four innings, allowing one earned run. The loss will go to Yimmy Garcia. Starter Pablo Lopez went seven innings, allowing two earned runs in this game. And the save will be given to Hector Neris, his ninth. The Marlins start a series in Boston here on this fine, fine Perez Day. Perez Day, in this case, is a Friday, but Perez Day is always a good day. Next up, we have the Padres and the Brewers. Bottom of the fifth, Willie Adamas drives in a run, and then Avasail Garcia brings another run in in that inning, making this 2-0 Milwaukee. From there, Fernando Tatis and Eric Hosmer add three runs for San Diego before Willie Adamas can send his sixth home run of the year out of the park, making this 5-3 Milwaukee. San Diego ties this game in the eighth with another Fernando Tatis RBI and a Manny Machado double. But in the bottom of the 10th, Jackie Bradley Jr. singles a line drive to right fielder Will Myers, scoring Omar Navarez, and Milwaukee wins this game 6-5. to five. Give the win to Brent Suter. Adrian Hauser started this game. He went five innings, allowing one hit and zero earned runs. The loss will be given to Miguel Diaz. Ryan Weathers went four innings, allowing one hit and zero earned runs. The Padres play the Astros next. Our next game here will be the Kansas City Royals taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. And this one went pretty much how it should be expected with how incredibly well the Tampa Bay Rays have been playing of late. Austin Meadows triples in the bottom of the first, and then Joey Wendell drives another in on a fielder's choice to make this a 3-0 Tampa lead before you could even blink. Bottom of the third, Austin Meadows sends even more runs in with a home run, his 10th on the year, certainly a big day for Meadows here. And then Taylor Walls drives in another. Randy Rosarena adds one in the in the bottom of the fourth. And a Ryan O'Hearn home run for Kansas City would be their only score of the day. Tampa Bay wins this one 7-2. to two. Give the win to Shane McClanahan. He went five innings, allowing no earned runs and six strikeouts. And the loss will be given to Brady Singer. He went two and two-thirds of an inning, allowing six earned runs. And again, this... This Tampa team just doesn't know when to stop. They are now still nine and one with now a two game winning streak. They are 12 and one, or no, I'm sorry, 13 and one over their last 14 games. They've lost one game in the last 
two weeks worth of games so far. And this is a drastically different style of play and quality of play than what we were looking at at the beginning of the year when they really struggled against Boston. They struggled in, in every phase of the game. They just were not getting complete games out of their team when they needed them, when it looked like they could set a tone. But they have come raring back into this division race, which is incredibly tight right now. You've got them leading this division by a game over Boston when they really, the reasoning there has been largely the extra two games they've played. You got two games on New York at 29 and 21. And if it weren't for Toronto absolutely blowing up over these last 10 days, they would be right there too. So this this has just been an incredibly dominant performance over the past two weeks by Tampa in a situation where it would be very, very easy to not perform to this extent. I mean, they are still playing talented. They should be expected to be winning more often than losing, even against really good competition like these teams in Boston, New York, and Toronto. But to play to this level is absolutely insane when you compare the run differentials that they've got to go up against, really with the exception of the top three in the NL West, there's no better group out there. And when you take time to consider that Baltimore hasn't been, well, they've been atrocious, but they've been the only team that's been atrocious. They've got four teams with a positive run differential here. I would have to believe that even though the run differentials for San Diego, the Dodgers and the Giants are incredibly high, I have a feeling that the AL East is still higher than that. I don't have any direct numbers for that, but they're playing their best in the most competitive division in baseball, the best division in baseball. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Uh, Speaking of our last AL East team here, we have the Chicago White Sox taking on the Baltimore Orioles. In the bottom of the second, Yerman Mercedes on a 3-0 count. Hardly interesting. He seems to be pretty darn good at hitting in the 3-0 counts. He sends his seventh home run of the year to left field, which is then in the bottom of the fourth, tied up by a Freddie Galvis home run. From there, it was all Chicago with Billy Hamilton driving in a run in the sixth and then a big seventh inning headlined by Jose, a Jose Abreu double and a Yerman Mercedes RBI single to make this a 5-1 to one Chicago White Sox win over the Orioles. Give the win to Dylan Cease. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and 10 strikeouts, and the loss will go to Dylan Tate. Next up, we got the Angels and the A's here. And this one came down to a great inning by the A's, a terrible inning by the Angels. I mean, it really just depends on whether you're going with a half, glass half full or glass half empty, whether you're putting this in the hands of the batters executing or the pitchers making mistakes. It's all about how optimistic you want to be here. I would like to see the good in this game. You got Matt Chapman starting this thing off with an RBI single. Tony Kemp sack flies to drive in the fifth run. 
and end this scoring drive that they had in the bottom of the sixth. And the final will be 5 nothing Oakland Athletics. Give the win to Chris Bassett, who had a brilliant day on the mound. He went nine innings, allowing two earned runs, or two, not two earned runs, two hits, excuse me, no earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss will be given to Austin Sledgers out of the pen. Patrick Sandoval went five innings of shutout ball in this game for the A's. Now, Patrick Sandoval was not at all supposed to be the scheduled starter in this game. This was supposed to be Shohei Otani's return after dealing with all sorts of issues last week with his fastball and shoulder and all of that. This was going to be his return to the mound. But of course, the only thing that could stop Shohei Otani are his fastball numbers rapidly declining and rush hour traffic. The Angels got stuck in traffic going over the Bay Bridge today, and Shohei Otani was unable to get his full pregame routine in to pitch, so they had to scratch him from this start early. So that gave Patrick Sandoval this opportunity to pitch very well. He's currently sitting at a 3-8-0 ERA. I'm not surprised. He's been one of the brighter spots for this Angels pitching staff. But enough on that. Next up, we've got the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks here. Another game with very legitimate uh, contention for their division as the NL Central has gotten very, very tight here between St. Louis and Chicago, particularly. We've got in the top of the second, Tyler O'Neill hits a home run to make this a 2-0 St. Louis ball game before Paul Goldschmidt eventually gets to the plate on a walk in certainly a blow-up inning there for Arizona. Top of the fifth, Nolan Arenado drives in more to get this to be a 4-0 St. Louis game. A little run in the back half of this game here for the Diamondbacks where they score four unanswered which would send this to extra innings top of the 10th Yadi Molina doubles and drives in Paul Paul Goldschmidt this would end up being the game winner here and your final will be five to four Cardinals Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Give the win to Alex Reyes. Carlos Martinez went six innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will go to Stefan Christian and the save to Daniel Ponce de Leon. Next up, we got the Giants and the Dodgers. This is the second series, weekend series in a row between these two powerhouses of the NL West. The Dodgers swept last weekend's 3 0. Hopefully, 
the, the Giants can have a little more success in this one like they did with the Padres, where they split those series going one and two and then two and one respectively. But bottom of the third, Justin Turner leads scoring off with a two-run home run, his ninth of the year. Evan Longoria would add a home run in this game as well as Donovan Solano for the Giants. However, that wouldn't stop DJ Peters from hitting his first home run of the year for the Angels and then Max Muncy hitting the go-ahead in the bottom of the sixth for the Dodgers to win this game four to three. Give the win to Victor Gonzalez in a bullpen game for the Dodgers. The loss will go to Alex Wood. He went six innings, allowing four earned runs and eight strikeouts. The save will be given to Kenley Jansen, his 12th of the year. Next up, we got the Rangers and Mariners. Tom Murphy homered and then Jacob Nottingham later on to make this a 2-0 Seattle ball game in the bottom of the third. Seattle would add three more runs in the bottom of the seventh to make this a 5-0 win. Give the win to Chris Flexen. He went seven innings with no earned runs and six strikeouts, flexing all over this Texas team. And the loss will go to Colby Allard. He went four innings, allowing two earned runs. A couple guys we want to talk about here on the PPP, particular players people may care about. The first guy we got to mention here, Odubel Herrera, really did everything he could to win this game for Philadelphia today. The man kept them in the game with his terrific play in center field, including throwing out a crucial runner late in that game at home, which really, I mean, any, any run at the end of a game, if you're able to net your team positively, whether you're a base runner, whether you're a defender, that's all you want. That's what wins games. It's, I mean, as much as games can be won and lost in the early innings, particularly by starting pitching, when it comes down to it, you're going to have a lot more close games than you realize. And if you have guys like Herrera who can go and play great on defense and then go hit a triple, which will help them score the game-winning run later on in that inning, that's, that, that's a winning mentality this guy has. That's a winning mentality he showed out there. Chris Bassett will be my second member of the PPP today. Chris Bassett, of course, had a two-complete game, two-hitter, one of the few complete games this year that wasn't a no-hitter, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't any less electric. It takes, even without Trout in this lineup, it takes a very good pitcher to stifle this Angels offense. I mean, you don't, you don't just walk up there and say, hey, Shohei Otani's nothing. Hey, Tony's nothing, man. He can't do anything to you. He's not doing anything. I mean, you cannot argue with two hits. I mean, it's not like it's not like those are the only two guys on this team. From an offensive standpoint, that hasn't been where we've been questioning them. You've got a star in Joe, uh, Jared Walsh, Joe Walsh. Um, 0 for 3 today. You've got, actually, that was the only, yeah, David Fletcher, still solid player, 251 average, 0 for 3. 
uh, Ligaris out in center field, 288 average, 750 OPS, one for three. He's one of the few guys that were able to get a hit today. The only hits came off the bats of Justin Upston and Ligaris out in center field, Juan Ligaris. So this is a real star step up performance by Chris Bassett. But the guy that I'm really impressed here with is Shane Bieber here in this Indians-Tigers game, who, of course, goes seven innings, allowing one hit, one earned run, and 12 strikeouts. It just dawned on me I never went over this game. I must have completely missed it. Bear with me. And if I did actually go over this, I apologize, but we'll just do this quickly. Uh, Harold Ramirez gets scoring started in the top of the first as part of a 4-0 Cleveland run through the first six innings. Jonathan Scope's home run got Detroit on the board, but they'd ultimately lose this game 5-2. The win will go to Shane Bieber, of course, seven innings, one hit, one earned, 12 strikeouts. Matthew Boyd with four innings, four earned, five strikeouts, getting the loss. But Shane Bieber, this is a guy who has struggled mightily to start this season. He's just like, he's been good. He's still striking out batters like he has been so known for. But the numbers aren't there. A 332 ERA, I mean, that's on pace for his career, but those aren't the Cy Young numbers from last year. That's not the one... 63 ERA he had through 77 innings last year. But this guy put on an absolute show today, reminded us that he is one of, if not the best pitcher in the American League. And it's only going to take a couple of these types of starts for him to start trending in the right direction. If Shane Bieber gets hot, that is bad news, both for the league, but more so for Garrett Cole. I mean, I think we're all very quick to anoint him as the great untouchable. Like, you can't touch his legacy while he's playing. I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, but you can't touch his legacy right now because, I mean, he's had such great years since he went to Houston, and he's played so well for the Yankees, who haven't done, again, haven't done anything in the postseason where it would matter with him either. So a lot of good that's done them. But let's remind ourselves, this guy hasn't won a Cy Young yet. He got beat out by his teammate when he was in Houston and just has not been up to snuff. And I'm not entirely convinced he's going to get there this year because of this man right here, Shane Bieber. Part of my apprehensions are with this offense. This Yankees offense is incredibly streaky, as we all know. They could turn off at a moment's notice and just completely stall for a month. With that, comes unnecessary losses for Garrett Cole with lack of run support, unnecessary no decisions for him where he's not getting that win stat, which still does matter when you're talking about the Cy Young conversation. I know we do not talk about wins and losses on this show. I think we should talk about losses more than wins, kind of a negative perspective, but you're largely in control of your losses if you're pitching so bad that you actually get the loss, you probably deserve it. But my point being, I think Shane Bieber is going to be able to get a lot more decisions, even though he has a 
also bad lineup, I trust his ability to go out and get decisions more than I do Garrett Coles. I think this guy's going to get hot. I think he's going to remind us all that he's one of the best pitchers in the game. And I, I would still put my money on a Shane Bieber back to back. The last man on the PPP today will be a Red Sox because I saw a very interesting stat for him today, which honestly makes me a little more comfortable with him and his so far poor performance. I mean, this guy has not gone long into games, Eduardo Rodriguez, and his ERA is not up snuff through nine starts. He's got a 506 ERA, 87 ERA plus. But when you go and look at some of these peripheral numbers, he is possibly the most unlucky player in the league right now. His BABIP, his batting average on balls in play. So the batting average of opponents looking entirely at the all the balls that go into play, not counting, of course, the strikeouts. So everything that has to do with the fielders making the plays. His BABIP is currently at the highest of his career, which means it's just a matter of the fielding support has not been there for him to get him the outs to keep runners off the base path. You then go and you look at his FIP, his fielding independent pitching. For those of you who aren't familiar with that stat, fielding independent pitching creates an earned run average out of entirely his strikeouts, his walks, and his home runs, as well as his hit by a pitch, of course, counting in with the walks. So what this essentially does is say, okay, let's take out all things that might be affected by the other players on the field, and let's just have this be the batter and the pitcher. What does it look like with only the outcomes that are fully within his control? The walks, walks slash hit by pitch, the strikeouts, the home runs, and that's at the lowest of his career. Based on his FIP, he should have a 3.53 ERA right now, not a 506. It's an, an absolutely jarring differential between those two numbers. And I just, I, I'm kind of excited to see this guy keep going now. Of course, I was a little shaky on it. I really, you know, everyone was waiting on him to be the not necessarily ace because you're going to have Chris Sale coming back at some point this year, but he was chalked, he was penciled in to be the leader of this rotation until Sale got there, but he hasn't needed to be. Nathan Nivaldi's played well. Nick Pavetta still has not had a loss in his Red Sox career. Garrett Richards has been pitching out of his mind since that rough, rough start to his time in Boston. But so my point being, he doesn't have to be everything for this team. I just want to see him now. Let's go a little deeper into starts. Let's keep going down the rest of this year and see what these numbers look like towards the end of the year, because I think they could be a big surprise from what we're seeing right now. All right, next we are up to the leaderboards. Again, I want to do something a little different here today talk about some stats over in the Korean baseball organization. That's what the O stands for, the KBO. 
Korea's baseball league. We have, we did the last time I was left alone. We did the standard stats. Today, we're going to look at the advanced stats. And starting here overall, let's start with Babbitt. Let's see who might be the luckiest player in the KBO right now. Basically, everybody that's qualified is through like 120 plate appearances. Some of the top guys are breaking over the 200 mark right now. So this has been a decent sample size to start their year as well. And currently leading the BABIP leaders right now, we have Bak Ho Kang of the Wiz. He's a 21-year-old, and he currently has a batting average on balls in play of 432. I'm interested to see what that, and that's leading to a batting average of 392. So as much as that's very high, it's not drastically higher than his actual batting average, which means he's at least doing things right if you get the of course if you get those 24 strikeouts out of the equation his numbers look much better but I am still fine with that uh next let's go over and look at now that we kind of mentioned that walks to strikeouts you know you always want to get on base more than you don't give yourself an opportunity and someone who is doing very well with that right now is Jung Hoo Lee with the, over there with the heroes. He's 22 years old and he is walking twice as much as he strikes out right now. Highest clip of the league. That's what you want to see out of a young guy. That poise is going to translate very well into the rest of a career. And lastly, we're going to go over and look at weighted runs created plus, you know, how much are you really affecting your team based on an average scale and this is pretty side besidely for an NC Dinos player here by the name of Uji Yang. He's 34 right now with a 200 weighted runs created plus. Um, he is also tied for the lead with 42 weighted runs created total. He is tied with Jose Perella of the Lions. That is a very, very strong start of the season I'm trying to see what that is translating out to are you going to give it to me no you're not um but yeah fantastic start to the year this guy has had with a 360 batting average this guy's got 10 home runs to start the year in 42 games you can't complain with those numbers here's to more great time for the designated hitter uji yang right now all right we have one more segment here for you guys and it is one that i am very interested to see this guy work out in the majors soon. The Chicago White Sox have made a huge splash in the international free agent market of late, signing a lot of major talent from over there. And most recently, they have become the favorites to sign Oscar Colas, an outfielder from Cuba, was expected to sign a $2.7 million contract with the team when the international signing opens up 
in January. Most importantly, this guy has been called by some scouts the Cuban Shohei Otani. This 22-year-old plays all three outfield positions and has shown a 95-mile-an-hour fastball as a lefty. This guy crushes the ball, throws the ball hard. He's everything you want to see in a league that seems to want to continue to go towards these two-way players. They're seeming to love the versatility of being able to put position players out there, and when they're actually good at pitching, that makes things even better. More on this guy. He has been playing professionally since 17 in both Cuba and then in 18, at age 18, he went over to the Japanese Western League with SoftBank and started playing over there and has had a very successful career with them uh, with both the Japanese Western League and Japanese Pacific League versions of SoftBank, the uh, Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. Currently, his most recent season, of course, being 2019, where he slashed 278, 381, 444. Those are very good numbers for age 20. And I'm excited to see how this guy would fit into an outfield that is already shaping up to be a very intriguing young group this is currently the number two overall international prospect and would fit right in the fold with um the rest of what they've got there albeit mostly hurt right now they've got a very great a great young outfield core the question is how will he be used i mean It doesn't seem likely that they will use him as a two-way player despite the 95-mile-an-hour fastball. But if they were, is Tony La Russa qualified to manage a two-way player? I mean, I'm not one who loves to get into this Tony La Russa hate. I've kind of gotten past it. I'm bored of it. However, we've seen the Angels, whose only like priority over the past couple of years hasn't been getting Mike Trout a team. It's been figuring out how to manage Shohei Otani and keep his career going in the right direction so he can do both pitching and hitting. I don't think the White Sox have the time or headspace to be doing that. I don't think Tony La Russa has the mental capacity right now to be doing that and doing it at an effective level. He can barely handle the bullpen he has let alone trying to think of actually having a decent pitcher becoming out of his position player group. Something is bound to be a disaster if this guy came up as a two-way player, if he started playing like that and Tony La Russa was still the manager of this team. I am sure something completely wild will happen in those first couple of years where Tony just has no clue what's going on with this. I mean, this wasn't something that you were seeing much In the 80s, you were seeing the same guys throwing every fourth day for seven innings, but you weren't seeing that guy go do that and then go play the field the next day. I'm not sure he is going to adjust great to this if he gets to play with him. A question is, how long is Tony La Russa going to be managing them? Will he make it all the way to this guy playing? Maybe not, but 
I would be worried if I were a fan that he would screw this up if he were to be there. All right, well, that's about all we have today. Make sure you go ahead and follow the show's Twitter page at MLB Daily Pod. Make sure you get in on this fantastic trivia game we've got going over there. New trivia questions every weekday, all baseball related. And if you're doing well with this, you may have an opportunity to win some free MLB Daily merch by the end of the season. But all you got to do is you just got to keep playing. You have to play all the way through the season. Try your best. Even if you just get frustrated, just start copying Batflip Podcast, who, again, huge thank you to them for having us on the other day. It was a ton of fun. Um, they're almost always right. So you wouldn't be crazy to just copy whatever they put down and you'll still get points. You'll still be in the running possibly to win stuff if you just copy them down. So make sure you go over there and check that stuff out. Make sure you check out everything else great we have going on with Belly Up Sports. And until next time, I will see you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.